And what I love about fermentation, and one thing that's really transformed me is my connection with not just the bacteria world, but my local economy, my local farmers. Because you're going to have the greatest success with fermentation when you preserve fresh picked produce. Fermentation is a preservation, not, oh, I want to make sauerkraut in this June. Well, June's really, it can be done and don't stop making sauerkraut in June because you're ready to learn, you're ready to learn. But June is not the time that we make sauerkraut. We make it in the late fall from freshly harvested cabbage that are teeming with the beneficial bacteria we need. So our success is almost guaranteed because we're working with fresh produce. The information provided in this podcast is educational and not intended to diagnose or treat medical conditions. Are you struggling with bloating, gas, constipation, and fatigue, but don't know what's causing these problems? The Gut Health Reset Podcast with Dr. Anne-Marie Barter dives deep into the root causes behind these issues that start in the gut. This podcast will give you the knowledge you need to heal your gut and reset your health. Today on the Gut Health Reset Podcast, we are going to talk about fermentation, how fermented foods help with our gut health, who should not do it, and the benefits of fermentation, not only on your gut, but also on your pocketbook. Thank you so much for joining us here today on the Gut Health Reset Podcast. I am your host, Dr. Anne-Marie Barter, and I have the pleasure of interviewing Holly Howe, the founder of MakeSauerkraut.com the author of Fermentation Made Easy, Mouthwatering Sauerkraut, and the creator of the online program, Ferment Like a Pro. Hey, Holly, it is so great to have you on the podcast today. Thank you, Anne-Marie. I'm happy to be here and happy to help people learn about flavorful fermented foods and how they can improve their gut health. Yeah, absolutely. So, so you know, I get actually a lot of questions in practice about, you know, should, uh, you know, because I do a lot of gut testing and and should people do fermented foods to help populate their microbiome or their good gut bacteria? So first, you know, because I don't think everyone knows what is fermentation? That That's a great question to start with because um, fermented foods, fermentation is an ancient way of preserving foods. Been around for forever. It's how we preserved our foods before the advent of the refrigerator or canning. And unfortunately, during the um, industrial process and the way our foods are now preserved, we have lost the benefits of these fermented foods. When I look at fermented foods, some people talk about it as like controlled rot. I see it as this magical, wonderful, beautiful transformation. If you think about milk and compare the flavors of milk to cheese, they're dramatically different, and that's thanks to the bacteria. We are powered by bacteria, and we need to be grateful to those bacteria, not afraid of them. But think of all those flavors of cheese. That's thanks to the bacteria that get in there during the uh, transformation of milk to cheese and transform its flavors. If we think about um, cabbage, and as that's fermented, bacteria are in there eating sugars. The sugars, the carbohydrates in the food, and transforming them into lactic acid with vegetable fermentation, a preservative. So fermentation to me is um, welcoming bacteria into our world and setting up a home for them so they can go to work in that vessel of vegetables or milk, et cetera, and transform it into this powerful food that we eat as part of our meal that can then transform and support our gut health. 
So what benefits or have you seen associated with uh, fermented foods on people's guts? Well, you know, fermented foods, I, I had to kind of step back a minute here. I got into fermented foods because of a book I read by a um, dentist who went and he, um, Weston A. Price, mm-hmm. he practiced dentistry in the 20s and 30s and noticed that his patients were gradually losing their dental health with more dental caries and, and narrow arch, et cetera. And he was curious if there was people who had perfect teeth. And he went in search of primitive cultures with perfect teeth. And, you know, the uh, Australian Aborigines, the uh, Native Africans, the Irish fishermen, et cetera. And he looked at their diets, their foods, and how they prepared it. And a common thread through all of it was the inclusion of fermented foods in their diet. So these fermented foods, we know today because of all the research on the gut microbiome that started about 15 years ago, but they intuitively knew they needed to eat fermented foods. But they work on taking care of our gut health. And um, by feeding the bacteria that are in our gut microbiome, by providing probiotics and prebiotics, the probiotics are the bacteria that help with the, our immune system, keeping our gut lining healthy, um, and then uh, metabolites producing those, all sorts of things these bacteria do that we're not even really aware of, but they're in there working for us. And then the so there's probiotics and prebiotics that feed the bacteria, et cetera. So these wonderful things helping to keep a strong, robust gut health that in turn impacts our overall health, our immune system, our energy levels, the foods we crave, et cetera. Absolutely. Weston A. Price is, uh, I mean, he was brilliant. His research was on another level that, uh, you know, in my opinion, still holds very, very true today, um, but we've definitely gotten away from that, haven't we? Right. <laughs> so I looked at so many different diets over my lifetime and trying, you know, the diet of the day, and I keep going back to what they call the nourishing traditions diet, which is based on the findings of Weston A. Price, because it makes sense. It's like, let's go find the healthy people, look at what they ate and how they prepared it. And it's all real foods properly sourced and properly prepared. And that's where that, you know, great health comes from. It's pretty amazing. So I think probably one of the number one questions that comes into my office or the number one kind of gut complaints that come in um, is bloating uh, is one, constipation, diarrhea, in acid reflux. Have you have you noticed, I mean, because you've been doing this for a while, have you noticed that some of those complaints improve uh, when people start eating more fermented foods? Well, well, definitely. And, you know, I'm not a doctor, so I can't work with my um, readers and people who enroll in my courses and buy my book and stuff as a, you know, nutritional consultant. But definitely, I, I do ask when people subscribe to my newsletter, what's their number one reason for wanting to learn how to ferment foods? And 99% of the time goes back to gut health because that's so much in the press now. And doctors are saying, take care of your gut and fermented foods are great for gut health. And so people do complain about acid reflux, again, bloating, constipation, et cetera. And I do get emails back from them going, that has dramatically improved just over a couple of weeks later. All of a sudden, my bloating's gone, et cetera. 
And one thing about like the bloating and the acid reflux is um, through the fermentation process, the bacteria create lactic acid. That lactic acid acts as a preservative and that helps with our digestion. Our hydrochloric acid production goes down as we age. And so by consuming the fermented foods, we help to replace and bring back up those acids to help with digestion. So definitely I get wonderful emails of people who swear by the fermented food. I don't see it as a diet per se. It's more of including this wonderful, magical probiotic instead of buying it in a jar, but including this fermented food as part of your daily diet. It's not starting a new diet, but it's realizing that these fermented foods help the digestion of whatever foods we are eating, whatever diet we're on. What have you seen too? Um, have you noticed anything with weight loss? Um, not really. You know, I don't, like I say, I don't delve into a lot, but I have read the research. Um, there's one like famous mouse study where they transplant the bacteria from the fat mouse into the skinny mouse and the skinny mouse then gains weight. So there's a lot of research out there on the gut microbiome and on weight loss, but I haven't really heard specific um, you know, results from people who you know, learn to ferment on their weight loss. But I do know that the bacteria in our gut send information to us on what foods we should be consuming. And sometimes that can be the wrong message because the wrong bacteria are in there. And it's pretty amazing when people first start to eat fermented foods, they can't get enough of them. They actually crave them and want to go through that whole jar of sauerkraut or one sitting, which can create problems because all of a sudden your unhealthy digestive system has not been used to all these bacteria and you're dumping billions and billions of bacteria in there. It's way too much. So I always have to caution people that this is a condiment, and we need to consume it as a condiment, just one or two forkfuls, mainly, you know, I work a lot with the sauerkraut, but one or two forkfuls of that with two or three meals a day and look at maybe variety. It's not that we sit down and eat that whole jar in one day, which people love to do because the bacteria are saying to you that this is the right food for me. This is what I need. Feed me more of this. So in essence, that can happen with cravings for high sugar foods, et cetera, because of the imbalance in the gut bacteria. So once that's balanced, then we aren't craving those high sugary, high carbohydrate foods. So that in essence becomes the weight loss. Absolutely. I think that's amazing. You know, just to kind of further, you know, support what you're saying, uh, what I've noticed has been, you know, when I'll run stool tests again and when somebody has an H. pylori infection, um, there's one particular patient said, you can do one thing. I won't change my diet, won't do anything. I gave him a probiotic. He had virulence factors. And so that is basically like, hey, you could get some stomach cancer. You definitely right. have GERD, et cetera. And he came back a year later. So I gave him a probiotic, came back a year later. We ran his test and he had no more virulence factors. So, uh -huh. and, and, you know, certainly like something active like kimchi or sauerkraut, all of that is going to be incredible. Hey, this is Dr. Anne-Marie Barter. Have you ever spent hours searching for the right supplements to heal your body? And when you finally found them, maybe you weren't sure it was a brand that you could trust or if the products were safe. 
After hearing about these issues time and time again, I decided to put together a complete store of supplements for healing and supporting your gut at dranmariebarter.com. There are supplements for constipation, thyroid health, gut health, energy, and so much more. There are bundles created for sleep support, pain support, histamine support, and the list just goes on and on. These supplements I use personally, or I've handpicked because they've worked time and time again on countless cases in the office. And on the website, you can see what ingredients we use to put your mind at ease. If you visit drannemariebarter.com and use the promo code podcast to get 10% off your next order. So what are you waiting for? Go visit Dr. Anne-Marie Barter and get 10% off your supplement bundle. Ciao. And now back to our episode. So, so is there anyone that shouldn't do fermented foods before we kind of dive into the nitty gritty of it? Um, I, I know I hear a lot about IBS that balance may be too imbalanced for the fermented foods yet and to work on taking care of your gut lining before we start throwing in the fermented food. Um, I do know that um, people worry about consuming fermented foods if they're supposed to be on a low-salt diet. And I keep coming back to them going, again, these are um, condiments. They're a supplement to your diet. If you look at the sodium content in a bite of sauerkraut it's minimal it's not something to worry about in your diet but people are told to be go on a low salt no salt diet and i also go back to you can make sauerkraut with a little bit less salt to reduce that and also working on the um, using what i call a mineral rich salt which has all the minerals intact it hasn't been processed and so it's it's a food that your body can use versus just a sodium highly processed salt so um and then um I do know some people with um, candida are concerned about eating fermented foods, and I have not done much research into it, but I, what I have read on it, it is still healthy for your gut health. And to me, it's um, learning to listen to your body. Take and consume that fermented food and pay attention to how it impacts you and then decide if it's creating problems or not. If things are good, then you can keep consuming a little bit more and gradually increase it. It is a wonderful food to eat and your body does crave it, but we really need to listen to our body. Our body gives us a lot of little messages on what works and doesn't work. And if we learn to listen to that, then we can um, take care of our health and heal it. Yeah, I think that's a great answer. And I think I think what's happening is maybe people dive in too fast with adding in some of the fermented foods. Yeah, exactly. So, so how do we do this? How do we ferment <laughs> foods? That's my specialty. I love it. I, I love the process. Um, and I love what these bacteria have taught me over the years and um, what I've learned myself over the years with it. But um, I like to start off with say that fermentation is a science. Just like baking bread and even baking cookies are a science. When I tell people that to work well with fermentation, have the success you want, you need to use a scale. They kind of back off and want to be more creative. But when you think about it, if you were to make a batch of chocolate chip cookies, you're not just going to throw in 
about that much butter and sprinkle in some sugar, you are following a recipe. And that recipe is based on science of how, you know, sugars and carbohydrates and flours and everything interact. And so fermentation is the same thing. It is a science. The uh, study they have done on bacteria that grow in the, do like, I'm talking with lacto-fermentation right now, which is the fermentation of vegetables, which includes pickles, cucumbers, and uh, cabbages, and sauerkraut, etc. And they do prefer a set, salinity, a set percentage of salt in their environment. At that correct concentration of salt, the beneficial bacteria proliferate. And so the good guys that we need, the probiotics that we need, they love that salt, the environment, they love it at a certain salt concentration which is like one tablespoon of salt in a jar of sauerkraut, approximately. Um, if we don't use enough salt, then the bacteria that create rot come in and proliferate, and we end up with a moldy, squishy mess that we don't want to touch. Then all the you know, bad bacteria can proliferate in there. The uh, E. coli, if it's not down at the level that we need. So the pathogenic back by setting up, weighing things with the scale and putting in the right amount of ingredients, then we get the bacteria we want. They can grow and the type of bacteria, the strains will change over during the fermentation process, but we have a successful ferment. So um, did I answer the question? Yeah, you did. And so your, your specialty is more sauerkraut, correct? Why is that? Yeah, fermented vegetables. Why the sauerkraut? Because... Um, Again, it was an easy, it was you know, fermented foods or something that all these traditional cultures ate. Easy one to start with. I, when we learned about it, I went and bought Bubby's sauerkraut. And we started consuming that. I love kraut because you can make it in so many different flavors. I've only made plain sauerkraut one or two times, which is just cabbage and salt to nothing in it. But there's apple and lemon zest and lime zest and onions and anything imaginable can go into that jar. And the sauerkraut goes so well with any meal. If you add to your eggs, it makes the flavors pop. Like kimchi is really nice on uh, scrambled eggs. You can add it to a salad. You can put it on top of a hamburger. You can just have it alongside your dinner. So I like sauerkraut for its versatility that I can add it to any meal. And I know if I eat one or two forkfuls a day, I'm taken care of. I've gotten all that I need for um, my gut health. So that, that fermentation, when we, uh, we start off with saying it's a science and that we need to use the correct amount of salt. But what we're doing is we're setting up an environment for that, those bacteria. With sauerkraut, we're slicing cabbage real thin. We're mixing in some flavoring ingredients and adding in the salt. That salt pulls the water out of the cabbage cells and the cells in the other vegetables to create a brine. Fermentation of vegetables, the anaerobic process without air, again, that's going to get the right area to grow and the pathogenic bacteria to die off. So we have all that sliced cabbage, just like a bowl of coleslaw. We mix in that salt. It shrinks down as the water's pulled out and we have this nice brine. It gets packed into a jar, and we push it down below the brine, sometimes using a weight to hold it below the brine, and then we leave it to ferment. And as it ferments, those bacteria are working for us. They're eating the uh, sugars in there to create that lactic acid. The pH is getting lowered. 
And within three days, it's down to a safe level. The pH is down at a real, you know, low level where the pathogenic bacteria can't grow. And then we leave it to ferment anywhere from seven days to three weeks to develop the flavors. But those bacteria are transforming that cabbage that start out with raw at the if it's rabbit, you can go up to almost 695 milligrams of vitamin C per one cup serving. So during that fermentation process, they're creating these wonderful nutrients and enzymes and stuff for us. And then we have a food that uh, helps us with our gut health. That's awesome. And, and there is another benefit to fermenting foods at home. So how much money can we save by doing this at home? Um, you know, lots of money. When you when you start looking at the costs, you know, now it's trendy. When I started this 20 years ago, there was very few um, available fermented foods on the market. Even kombucha wasn't popular. But once you have your jars and a few, you can use kind of homemade weights, but a few weights, the whole thing's below the brine. Once you have your initial investment of, say, uh, you know, $50 for your equipment, then it's really just the cost of the cabbage and the vegetables. And what I love about fermentation, and one thing that's really transformed me, is my connection with not just the bacteria world, but my local economy, my local farmers. Because you're going to have the greatest success with fermentation when you preserve fresh-picked produce. Mm. Fermentation is a preservation, not, oh, I want to make sauerkraut in this June. Well, June's really... It can be done and don't stop making sauerkraut in June because you're ready to learn. You're ready to le learn. But June is not the time that we make sauerkraut. We make it in the late fall from freshly harvested cabbage that are teeming with the beneficial bacteria we need. So our success is almost guaranteed because we're working with fresh produce. So when you start learning to ferment, you start tuning into what's growing in your environment and where the farmers are that produce that. and it's this wonderful network of people you start connecting with um, for your health. That's fantastic. And you have a course teaching people how to ferment their own foods, correct? Correct. I, ha I have a book on sauerkraut, uh, Fermentation Made Easy, Mouthwatering Sauerkraut. And then I have uh, two courses, one on sauerkraut and then one on fermented vegetables, which are your... Um, cucumbers into pickles and carrot sticks and um, different ways of preserving your vegetable. So what makes your class different from maybe something that someone would find on Pinterest or on Google or whatnot? Um, you know, it all sits in one place, so it's contained. And you can even go on my website and get plenty of information and get started with fermentation without spending a you know, penny on education. Um, but it's... Uh, any of these things that we're trying to learn to do, we can find searching the internet and watching YouTube. But, but I, through trial and error, there's so many things I've learned over the years. And it, working with, I started my website in 2014, was doing a live courses prior to that, you know, local courses. But I've tried so many things over the years that I've made all the mistakes for you. And so it's just nice to know this is the process. This is what works. Even my online recipe, you can be just follow that. That there's no cost to jump into that and be quite successful because I include all these tips that, you know, just like um, say salt. When I first started fermenting, I grabbed any salt. Then I started buying kind of a um, a wet salt. The um, I'm trying to think of the name of it right now. 
And I ended up with a lot of moldy batches. So then I experimented around with different salts to use. And so that's why I recommend a Himalayan pink salt or real salt. And I used to just grab a tablespoon to measure it. And then I started realizing how important it is to weigh it. So you get just all the tips in one little place. And uh, like I say, it's all there on the online recipe too. They sure fire sauerkraut in a jar. But uh, yeah, all of us, we have our expertise and you can grab it in different ways. That's amazing. And where can people find you if they want to get in touch with you? Um, my website is makesauerkraut.com. So M-A-K-E-S-A-U-E-R-K-R-A-U-T.com. And that's the website. And there is a Facebook under the same name, um, Pinterest, Instagram. And if they, um, if you go to the homepage or in the footer there, there's uh, seven fermentation mistakes most people make. And where I go over kind of the basics. And if you end up subscribing to that, I kind of introduce you to myself and my philosophy. And then uh, there is a course discount um, as you work your way through the emails on that too. Well, that is wonderful. Well, thank you so much for being here today and sharing your knowledge about fermentation. This has just been so interesting. So thank you so much for being here. You're welcome. It's always fun to, to share and uh, help people out there. Thank you for listening to the Gut Health Reset Podcast. Please make sure you subscribe, leave a rating and a review so more people can hear about the podcast. And hey, take a screenshot of this episode and tag Dr. Anne-Marie on Instagram or Facebook at Dr. Anne-Marie Barter. And for more resources, just visit DrAnneMarieBarter.com.